Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our second of two bonus episodes where we're doing franchise focuses. This time we're focusing on the Boston Celtics, as promised. Uh, and we'll just go ahead. We won't waste any time. We'll get right into it. Um, yeah, the, the Celtics, similarly to, well, kind of different. I mean, if you think about the Bucks and the, the Cavs, those are teams that had, you know, real steady builds and it took a while. There's elements of that with the Celtics as far as their recent history, but you almost have to go back, you know, uh, to 2015. You think about the Isaiah Thomas trade um, and what that team was able to build around him with Al Horford in free agency and, uh, you know, drafting of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And this is a team that's been – Oh, it's such an interesting winding road for the Celtic squad. I mean, for, well, since 2016, the 2016 season, they've had eight seasons, all but one of which were uh, above uh, a five, a 580 win percentage. Um, and, five of those eight were higher than a 600 win percentage. Um, this season is on pace to be the best season yet, this 2023 season. But, you know, 2016 through 2017, of course, was the Isaiah Thomas-led teams. And he was in the MVP conversation, and it was Al Horford, a rookie Jalen Brown on that squad, and Jay Crowder. And it was a team that was kind of – unexpectedly one of the best in the East after a short rebuildings period, shortly following the, uh, the Paul Pierce Garnett, the big three era in Boston. It was a quick turnaround from, you know, 2013 that after that season, there was a trade with Pierce and Garnett and just, you know, three or four seasons later, they were atop the East again. They trade Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving. They sign Gordon Hayward. They lose Hayward to injury. They lose Kyrie to injury. Terry Rozier suddenly steps into a, a, a big role in that starting lineup in place of Kyrie. The rookie Jason Tatum has a strong year, and they're right back in the Eastern Conference Finals. Back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals unexpectedly. The next year they have Kyrie. Hayward still has injury issues. Conference semis. The next year um, – that's when they, uh, Kyrie left in free agency, but they brought in Kemba Walker as a free agent. He was a starting point guard by this point. Tatum was the star, uh, along Jalen Brown was becoming a, a solid, you know, starter, you know, secondary scorer. Then you had Kemba, you had Al Horford. Horford leaves the very next year in free agency. Um, or sometime within this uh, this period, this is around this time that they, do, they have the bubble. Then the the next season, the next season was their their worst finish of these seasons. They were thirty six and thirty six. They were just five hundred. Lost in the first round to the Brooklyn Nets, uh, and then they make the coaching change. Brad Stevens goes to the front office. They bring in Udoka. They have. Uh, another great year and a, a especially great second half run. And then they go to the finals. That was just this last season. They get to the, to the NBA finals. Tatum takes that next step from being an all-star to a, a superstar. 
and one of the best in the NBA. Jalen Brown is, you know, rose another level. They didn't have Kemba Walker anymore, but they had Marcus Smart, who's the defensive player of the year. They brought Al Horford back. They had Robert Williams, and it was this kind of new nucleus. And now this year, it's just the the next growth of that. Tatum's gotten even better. Jalen Brown's gotten even better. They brought in Brogdon to be, uh, you know, a sixth man and just help that guard rotation with, with Marcus Smart, certainly, and Derek White. Robert Williams has recently returned from injury, but there's, you know, some shakiness there. Um, improvement from Grant Williams. Al Horford's gotten a bit older, but they're the best team in the NBA right now, record-wise. Um, they're they're on pace, you know, seventy-four wins. Let's go ahead and do uh, a calculator real quick. See what that would be uh, if they kept that same pace. They're on pace to win sixty-one games. Um, and they've got a great team going. I'm just trying to think what else I can say about this team that would really be adding anything new. I think the big concern is the injuries. You know, there's still some naysayers about Marcus Smart's abilities as a starting point guard, but I think the results speak for themselves. Whether or not it looks totally conventional or statistically is always what you'd expect, even advanced uh, advanced stats. He's the leading assist man. He's, of course, defensively great. He doesn't shoot a great percentage, but he runs an offense that's one of the best teams in the NBA. And when they were all healthy at the start of the season, it was historically great offensively. So I don't have a problem with Marcus Smart. Al Horford, as he gets older, that's a big question mark for them. He is what does that look like in the foreseeable future? If you're not winning a championship this year, you have a good chance, but it's not guaranteed. If you don't win a championship this year or in the next year or two, and Al Horford's going to be retiring, what does that plan look like for replacing him? Do you find someone who plays a similar style of game? Do you kind of retool the roster? That's a question mark for me. Um, but that's the main like age concern. It's still a great young core for the most part. I mean, Smart, Brown, and Tatum are all, uh, I want to say, either at or below 30. Um, Tatum, certainly. Brown as well. But Smart's, Smart's been around a little while. I would be, I think he's probably close to 30. Um, Horford, as we said, is the age concern. Grant Williams is playing nice for them off the bench. Um Derek White, who's had who's starting at shooting guard pretty much, he's been nice. Brogdon off the bench is a nice piece. Robert Williams should be, um, you know, the hope is that he starts more coming off of that uh, surgery and injury from last year. Hauser's been a surprising piece for them. I like that, and that's a nice, nice, a nice group, nice depth. Peyton Pritchard and Luke Cornett as well. I, it's similar to the Cavs. They it's a young group that's still developing, and they're but it's even better because their best guys are some of the best in the NBA. They're clearly in their primes. Tatum's unbelievable. He's maybe an MVP front runner right now. Um, you know, there's maybe some smaller questions in the bench shuffling, but the big question would be Al Horford and what that plan looks like going forward. But otherwise, they're top of the NBA right now. They're a great squad and the Celtics are in a good position for the next while with Tatum and Brown and smart in there. And they continue to be 
a winning squad. And you look at the the history of the franchise, this is what we expect with Boston. I believe they're the winningest franchise in NBA history. Let me let me double check that real quick before I um say that unequivocally. Um let's see. Franchise franchise wins. No, that's not what we want. I gotta remember how to find this info here on uh basketball reference teams yeah there we go yes they're the winningest franchise in nba history just ahead of los angeles the lakers just barely ahead of the lakers um but yes they're the winningest franchise they have a 592 winning percentage uh and they're one of the oldest teams in the nba so of course a storied franchise for the team that i want to focus on i have an interesting pick i believe um we'll see i guess but Sorry, I just had to get a drink. It's exact, actually the same exact year as that Cavs team we talked about on the previous episode, the 1992 Boston Celtics. But this is a different t- type of team to talk about. This is, and this is kind of, it doesn't have to be specific to this year. It's, it could be the, er, you know, the early 90s Celtics in general, excuse me. But this is really an exercise in what if. And you think about, you look at the roster, and you think about some moves that happened with the Celtics prior to this. So they, looking at this roster, they of course had Reggie Lewis, Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, um, D. Brown was on this team, Um and Sherman Douglas. And those are the, the standout names. Of course, Bird and Parrish and McHale are the, the holdouts. You know, they're the, the big three, the one of the great teams in NBA history, the 86 Celtics, and those 80 Celtics in general. You know, th- that front court was still intact. Bird, Parrish, McHale. McHale was dwindling and becoming more bench guy again. Bird was dealing with injuries. Parrish was still solid and productive. Then you have Reggie Lewis, who is ascending to be an all-star guard in the East. Um, D. Brown was an athletic, nice point guard off the bench, along with Sherman Douglas, a nice kind of solid point guard type guy. You had Rick Fox in this in this team. You had Kevin Gamble, who was a solid forward. Um, and a few other names of note, Ed Pinkney, John Bagley. Um, but more than what this team is is what it isn't you think about len bias and this is probably something that gets done into death but len bias was drafted in the mid 80s by the celtics number one overall or at least in the top three i want to say it was number one overall and he was going to be you know the rich get richer and he was projected to be you know a top guy who would just expand the wealth and fortunes of the Celtics and, you know, continue that uh, tradition and that excellence. And he dies or passes away just a few days after uh, draft night or the next night after draft night uh, with issues with drugs. And they've lost a potential franchise cornerstone or, you know, star player. Not only that, but after this 92 season, 
they lose Reggie Lewis. They actually lose lose him during the playoffs with some health complications. And then, or no, they lost him the next season. Excuse me. They had him for 93. After 1993, they lost Reggie Lewis. They after This was the last season. 92 was the last season of Larry Bird. He would retire uh, after, you know, continued health issues, back issues. Mikhail, you know, again, as we mentioned, it starts to be more of the reserve role. So this is my, my what if. What if Reggie Lewis, uh, you know, what if he hadn't passed away? What if he stayed with the Celtics and, and was a consistent player through the 90s and into the early 2000s? And Larry Bird was able to, to get right with his health, and he played for, you know, throughout the 90s as well into the late nineties, at least. And if they had Len bias in this group and he had developed into uh, at least something, you know, approximating an all-star and you're looking at that, that group of Lewis bias and bird along with still a solid parish, Mikhail off the bench and the young talent with Rick Fox, D Brown, Sherman Douglas, um, Kevin Gamble, and what could this Celtics team have been in that nineties? Would it have been just another of the, the front, um, the runner ups to Jordan's bulls? Would they have been a team in the mid nineties to when Jordan retired, break through and play the rockets or whoever for the championship. It's just such an interesting exercise and it's worth noting as good as the Celtics were in the eighties, you know, how that run fell short, you kind of expect it over time for those teams to dwindle down, but this team could have lasted and could have, you know, been reborn as a second form of itself in the nineties with that talent that was lost. Uh, one of those talents lost basically as soon as they got it, another lost just as it was, coming to fruition and it's really a shame for basketball fans it's a shame for Celtics fans it's a shame for you know certainly of course families of those players when we're talking about these people who we've lost of course the sports fans it's easy to talk about uh, teams and uh, what this player could have been but you know I'm sure their their families are you know that's one of their least concerns of how good of a player they would have been. It's more just, you know, losing that person in their lives. And um, so that's certainly something to note as well. Uh, it's just terrible to lose, to lose a life in general. But um, for our purposes, of course, it's, it's an interesting exercise to think about how good these Celtics teams uh, could have been just, you know, adding to a long line of, of great Celtics teams, the, the eighties, of course, the sixties dynasties, the, uh, the 70s teams and that's actually going to segue us into our player that we'll focus on for this portion of our franchise focus i pick a player from the franchise's history to talk about more in detail and i want to talk about the the star for those three championship teams in the 70s and one of the all-time underrated players in nba history and that is dave cowens uh Big Red, as he was also known, he was a 6'9 center, 
230 pounds, touch undersized. He was a lefty, and he was unbelievable. Let me read you the resume. You read this resume, and you think you're reading like, a, you know, maybe not quite Akeem Olajuwon, but it's it's a very impressive resume. Uh, he's, of course, a Hall of Famer, an eight-time All-Star, a two-time NBA champion, um, two-time, I thought they were, excuse me, I misspoke. So they didn't win three championships in the 70s, they won two. Um, so I apologize for that, but um two champion two-time nba champ three-time all nba 1971 all rookie and rookie of the year in 71 1973 all-star mvp as well as regular season mvp that year and a three-time all defensive as well as nba 75th anniversary team member and his stats are unbelievable okay from his rookie year to 1978 so we're talking eight seasons across eight seasons, two championships within those seasons. He averaged nearly 19 points a game, 15 rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block, just remarkable numbers. The rebounding tenacity, he was undersized. As we mentioned, he was stout, but he was, you know, a good couple inches shorter than, you know, the guys who's competing against on the boards like Kareem, uh, Nate Thurmond, uh, just name a couple guys. And uh, he was an incredible rebounder still. He could make some plays in the post, solid defensively, and then could score, you know, had that lefty touch. And again, he won championships. And uh, it just, you know, one of the guys that gets forgotten. He, interestingly enough, uh, after 1980, retired for a couple years and then was lured out of retirement by the Milwaukee Bucks in 1983 uh, and played a half season's worth of games, starting most of those, and was not the same player. I mean, 8.7 rebounds, two assists. So kind of an interesting, you know, little footnote to his career. But, yeah, two championships in 74 and 76 in those playoffs – especially 76, he averaged 21 points, 16 rebounds, four and a half assists, you know, kept up his stats and he increased the scoring in the playoffs when, you know, he was needed, needed to do that rookie of the year and MVP. Um, and it's just been, um, you know, unbelievable. It, it's just been remarkable how he's been uh, so underrated for, for so long. Uh, after that, I'm not sure. Um, I I have a lot more to add. Just uh, you know, one of the Celtics greats. Um, he did coach as well. He coached um, the the Charlotte Hornets. He was the head coach in the late '90s for several years. He coached the Warriors for a couple seasons. Um, he's coaching the WNBA as well. Um. He also explored a career in politics. That's kind of interesting. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, Hall of Famer. His number 18 has been retired by the Celtics. Of course, if he's a great player for the Celtics, he's going to have his number retired. Um, they, I would think by far they have the most retired numbers, but 
Um, that's kind of it. I'm not sure I have much more to add. Just one of the guys, again, that goes under the radar. Um, it seems like there's a lot of 70s guys, maybe because there wasn't a great uh, singular dynasty in the 70s. Um, yeah, great player uh, and played for some great teams. So with that, probably a little bit of a shorter episode compared to the Cavs one. Um, but with the Celtics, you can only say so much about winning and great players. And I hope I'm not brown nosing Celtics fans and the Celtics franchise a little bit, you know, too much here. But I do kind of like the Celtics. Um, if I wasn't uh, a jazz fan, well, if the Supersonics were still a team, that would probably be my second team. But uh, Celtics would be, you know, maybe a team I'd consider to be a favorite team if I wasn't a Jazz fan. But uh, it, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I guess that'll wrap things up. So, again, shorter episode, but thank you for listening. That kind of helps to get us caught up a little bit on our franchise-focused efforts. We'll probably try and do a few more bonus episodes uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, but regardless... We will be back with you next time uh, later today for uh, the first of our week 15 episodes uh, and we'll be back with you then.